Great morning. What up? <laughs> it feels like you're never ready for when I say what up. Like, you expect me to be like, Grand Rising. I don't know. I think if you say Grand Rising, it would throw me off. Yeah. So I don't. <laughs> because I'm good to you. Thanks, thanks for not throwing me <laughs> Thanks for not throwing me off. Because <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. What's Grand Rising? What are we doing here? Good morning, everybody else. <laughs> How are we today? <sighs> I hope you guys are all right. We're, we're doing pretty good. Um, so it was the last week we were off? Or last week we were on? No, we were here and uh, Nebraska was out. Right. And you um, you did double duty. It was... It was uh, I don't so, know how you could forget that. Well, kind of harrowing. That's why. <laughs> you did a I, really great I, I job. I tried to forget it as much as possible. Rudo checked me for giving out wrong numbers. You did give out the wrong numbers. Like, <laughs> he's like, new number who this? Rudo, chill out. I don't, I don't need those live updates. <laughs> I mean, but sometimes we do. Isn't that the point? Yeah. I no, it is. I think that's the point of being on air. It totally is. It totally is. Check me right now. <laughs> It was really, you are very hard on yourself, and it was a lot better than you think it was. Okay. All right. I'm just going to keep saying that. Okay. You're no Nebraska. We all know I am that. not. We all know that. I am not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. no but it, but it was good. You did well. Okay. All right. So it was the week before that we were off. It is. Yeah. It, or, well, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you just feel so tired that you don't know what to do with yourself? Because that's, that's kind of where I'm at yeah, right now. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Nebraska, last weekend, we um, hosted My People's Market all three days. We did. Uh, also, My back still hurts. Yeah. Also, my people's back. Right? <laughs> yeah, back does not belong to you anymore. Or my knees, actually. Um, so we had to make sure, you know, we made some really conscious shoe choices <laughs> to be on your feet all day. Also, uh, ran a live stream, did uh, live stream on Twitch those three days and did some DJing. It was just a lot going on. I'm still recuperating, quite possibly. No, definitely. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to tell too much, but like, we are not young people anymore. So, <laughs> no. And it was outside, you know, so you got the elements and it was. Yeah. Pouring down rain most of the time. Yeah. But it was so much fun. It definitely was. And it definitely the was. market was tight. Yeah. Shout out to all the vendors. And yeah. The, um, and all the folks that came out and uh, spent that bread definitely. when it was super gross outside. I, there was something about seeing everyone just going about their business, shopping with their families in the rain. that was like, this is so Portland and I love it. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely loved it in that moment. I was like, man, this is great. It was pretty good. Yeah. It was, it was pretty good. Yeah. A great time was had by all. Shout out to YGB for hiring us, too. Yeah. Because that, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I had a great time. That was pretty dope. Invite right. me back. You don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be me and Ambush. We're not a package deal. Wow. But if you're going to choose one of <laughs> us, choose me, you know? <laughs> so anyway. That definitely just morning, happened. <laughs> <laughs> Ambush, you get picked for everything. You're a DJ. You you do all sorts of stuff outside. For true. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you really, it's, it's just me outside. lightening your load. Huh? <laughs> oh. Actually, I'm just support here. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. Here okay. 
All right. Sounds good to me. We're going to talk about some stuff today. Yeah, some stuff and some things. Uh, national stories. Five Proud Boys get indicted on seditious conspiracy charges for allegedly helping plan the insurrection. And Yavalde's school district police chief was a no-show for a city council meeting. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, in local stories, a city audit finds lives were put at risk while funds were wasted on dangerous housing for veterans. Mm. And uh, Betsy Johnson is out here getting blasted by both parties. Mm, 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 mm. The life of an independent libertarian. To be Betsy. <laughs> and the A45 news editor for the Portland Mercury, Alex Zelensky, will be joining us to talk about the latest lawyers. New season is hired to help in their anti-union efforts. Mm, I want the juicy beats. <sighs> Come on, new seasons. Come well, on, I mean... You know, I don't know why you're saying that. I don't know what you expect. Better. LOL. (laughs) I mean, after finding out that they're owned by like, you know, a billionaire conglomerate company in China or something is like, yeah, it's about production. It's about production. This is this is not the uh, neighborhood corner store. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what was nature's. When I was young, young, like a kid, uh-huh. there was a Nature's, and that was the, right, Nebraska? Yeah. It was like a Trader Joe's? Yeah, like like a like a mix of the Whole Foods, New Seasons. It was like okay. where you went to get more healthy things. Hmm. Okay. And, and it was it before just... those things, and now they're at, at the Nature's that I'm thinking of specifically, now there is a Whole Foods, I think, on 15th and Fremont. Well, there it is. Man, I just got hot. Well, well, there it is. Hmm. Climate change is real. Yeah. It takes some layers off, man. (laughs) You're not new to this. Definitely not. All right. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to jumping into these stories. And this is how you know Nebraska's back. Because Uh. Nebraska plays the song somehow that we need without Mm. us knowing we need them. And I think, you know, sometimes when you're in charge of the music and the other stuff, it's like, I, I just lost, gotta, man. I got to get something out. I get some music on. There's got to be something. Yeah. Got to get out of here. Need a break. And it feels very, you know, uh, personalized. Oh, yeah. With Nebraska. Well, thank you very much there. Yeah. Is there, is there a bad time for me to hear Batman? I bet. Yeah. <laughs> She's <not> a bad. <laughs> All right. Having been said, this is News of My Fiance with Morgan Joseph and DJ Ambush. Be a part of the show. You can shoot us a text at 971-220-5979. Speaking of, good morning, Rudo. Rudo. Happy Friday for you. Uh, and yes, Rudo said the Whole Foods on 15th used to be a nature's. Mm-hmm. The validation mm-hmm. is helpful because my memory feels very shoddy in those moments. So like, wait. oh, is that what I remember? I think it's what I remember. On 15th and what? Fremont. Oh. So, yeah, you know where there's yeah. a Starbucks, a Papa, Papa Murphy's, a blah, blah, blah. Okay. So there used to be like a Hollywood video, uh, Papa Murphy's, but it was called something else before then. Before Papa Murphy's? Papa Aldo's maybe, okay. something like that. And some other things. And a Nature's. Okay. And the library is over there. Hmm. When it was Papa Aldo's, was it the same situation? It's exactly the same. You pick up your pizza, cook it at home? Mm-hmm. So that's just always been a thing here. 
it's been an option, if that's what you mean. It's not like the way people in Portland eat pizza. You absolutely have to stop acting like okay. that is the only pizza that we have. Nebraska, I will have you though. Wow. <laughs> wow. When I got here, all we ate was Papa Murphy's. Not true. And for the life of me, I could not understand why I'm paying for a pizza that I had to cook myself. It was so strange. But then I understood later on. It took me a little while. I was just like, this is not, I'm not, this, no, I'm doing your job. But then, again. So much. Oh, <laughs> so terribly word. East Coast. So terribly. I was just, you know, I was out of sorts. And I started to love it. And then we ate it so much that I couldn't anymore. I was like, now I gotta get some pizza hut or something. Yeah, that's what you need. <laughs> sometimes you Y'all need hear this. it? Do y'all hear it? Sometimes you need, Cause... Rudo, sometimes you need stuffed crust. Oh, my God. Malcolm. Someone help me. Look at you looking for a lifeline. I am. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody runs to Pizza Hut unless you're like hungover in 22. That's when you're excited for Pizza Hut. Hungover in 22. Yeah. It like fixes, it cures a hangover at that point. It's true. Soaks it all up. Yeah. That's Uh, the only time. All right. Fine. You know who else loves stuffed crust? Who? Proud Boys. (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> don't put me in any type of dietary alignment with them. <laughs> I do not approve. Well, <sighs> well, I think well, it's scientifically proven that they love. Stuff. It's oh, not. All right, and fine, I would fine, appreciate fine. you Nobody's not doing that. that. All right. Okay, fine. <laughs> on Monday, a federal grand jury indicted five members of the Proud Boys on charges of seditious conspiracy for plotting to storm the U.S. Capitol and overturned the results of the 2020 presidential election. Several of the indicted men were the architects of regular visit to Portland that resulted in hand-to-hand combat with anti-fascists in the streets. One of those indicted, Enrico, Enrique Tario, the former chairman of the Proud Boys, Tario, who lives in Miami, organized multiple Portland events in support of then-President Donald Trump and to antagonize those protesting police brutality. The purpose of those events was always clear, create national pressure on Portland's mayor, Ted Wheeler, to jail anti-fascist activists, in part by provoking violence. Quote, Sooner or later, Wheeler will run out of money, and his counterparts in government will no longer take him seriously. Tario <laughs> <sighs> said during a 2019 visit that paralyzed the city's downtown for an afternoon. Quote, the path forward for Mayor Wheeler is simple. Free your city from the grip of Antifa. <laughs> take, I'm sorry. take direct and meaningful action. He speaks like Ming the Merciless from Flash Gordon. Is that Roger Stone? <laughs> <laughs> right. Also indicted for sedition, Joe Biggs, who ran that 2019 event, and Ethan Nordian, who is particularly noteworthy for the extraordinary levels of thuggish violence he brings to these events. And just a summer prior, began an alt-right celebrity, became, I'm sorry, an alt-right celebrity on social media under the name Rufio Panman (laughs) for knocking out a leftist (laughs) counter-protester. Oh, boy. Okay. Today's amended indictment reported by the New York Times, elevates the case against the pro- against the five Proud Boys for their previous indicted charges for conspiring to obstruct the certification of the election to now being accused of plotting to overthrow the government. After the initial indictments back in February, Lama Week reporter Tess Risky 
examine the ways in which right-wing groups use Portland events as a live practice for military actions. They were later performed on Capitol Hill. The LARPs. LARP, 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 LARP. Wow. LARP. Jokers, man. Not even the cool LARP. Not even. You know? Not even. Not even the cool LARP. Uh, Enrique is also, I just, I'm never going to ever, ever stop saying this, an FBI informant. (laughs) So, to be the, you know, ringleader after Gavin McGinnis was like, oh, hey guys, you're doing a little too much violence and I want to be a star still. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and distance myself from you. Mm. And Enrique became the the dude. Uh, They really did like, they they had a moment there with Enrique as the head of being like, how dare you call us racist? How right, dare you right. call us nationalists? Look at me. I'm just a chauvinist, man. We got all sorts of people over here. Uh, but he's an FBI informant. Full informant. And was telling on his friends. And they don't have a problem. While he was riding through the six with his woes. It's so wild. I thought for sure that would be the end. Once it came out that he was an informant. I was like, oh, well, there's the end of his ride. I mean, no, because a bunch of them are. A a bunch of them are going to start talking if they get in trouble. Nobody is looking to do that. Also, Enrique was an informant before the Proud Boys. (laughs) Like, I just need everybody to understand. Your mans was out here doing a lot, like, uh, you know, maybe what they would call black market deals Mm. Mm -hmm. in Miami Mm -hmm. out of his garage that then became the Proud Boys headquarters. And he masked. Yes, I know too much about these people. Continue. He masked these conversations with law enforcement as, you know, like putting us all on the same team. Like, you know. Oh, well, they, yeah, they definitely are on the same team. Yeah. They're back in the blue. Giving, in, them, giving them intel. Until it's time to not. <laughs> until they're in cuffs. And, yeah. Yeah. And then he says, you know, things like, bro, I'm helping you here. What's your problem? Don't take me to jail. Antifa's right over there. Yeah. It's a mess. They And the way that they come here and do the antagonizing of people actually peacefully protesting just to get yeah. national attention, like, that is a Roger Stone-like tactic all the way. Yeah. All the way. They're running uh, combat exercises. It's it's wild. Meal Team Six. Yeah, absolutely wild. My man, his name on social media was Rufio Pan Man, fam. First off, don't disparage Rufio's. <laughs> okay, don't do that. Go away. Hilarious. <clears throat> when you brought up Roger Stone just now, it just made me think about you know this strategic. I, I hate using the word, but it's it's it's. It's the truth. He's very strategic with the way he moves these pieces around. And it, I I, I want to make be clear, I'm not showing any admiration for Roger Stone. <laughs> but it's interesting how he's able to have his hands in so many things in so many cities nationally. And then he's still doing his things internationally. Like. In, yeah, you know. he's not nearly as international, though. Like, that's the job of Steve Bannon. 
You know what? You I'm know? sorry. I confused the two just now. The the people. Yeah. yeah. Roger Stone. Uh, this is how you always remember. Roger Stone looks like a Dick Tracy villain. And he has. And dresses like one. Yeah. Definitely does. With the back tattoo. And he has a Nixon back tat. Right. Full. That's how you remember. Yeah. And, and Steve Bannon jacked. looks like the live action Musinex man. Yeah. 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 So. Steve Bannon does the international stuff because he went to Harvard or something. Right. And Roger Stone. He's more domestic. He's he's in the he's domestic. in the weeds as as it were. You know? He does things like hire the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers to be his security right, so that right. he can give cover to telling them you should run for Congress, you should run for school board. Oh, boy. You should and guess what, guys? It works. It works. It definitely does. He gets them out there. He gets the people going. Yeah. Enrique definitely ran. He did not get anywhere, but he definitely ran yeah. in Miami yeah. for an elected seat. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, all it takes is people running in certain places. There are plenty of QAnoners that are in office right now. Yep. Marjorie on down. Because Roger was like, hey, if you run, you run. You don't have to win, but you'll get the message out. And so that's how it works. Running. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, Rudo definitely came for me. He said, Ambush is on dirt delivery, stuffed crust, pizza island <laughs> by himself. <laughs> you, you, you a lonely island boy. <laughs> wow. He said, Proud Boy Hut. That okay. is exactly what we will call Pizza Hut from here on. No, out. I must get my crust stuff somewhere else. Yeah, you must or don't mm. need it. I mean, it's, it's really good. Is it good for me? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's I mean, I feel you cheese and bread that I could just uh, do that. And now they're putting pepperonis life. in there with it. The... Okay, slow down. Don't get too excited. Sorry, it's too early. Yeah. I, I definitely don't want pizza this early. I'm glad for that. You're not going to have any. <laughs> <laughs> Should I jump right in? Yeah, switching gears. <laughs> Hard pivot, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Uvalde School District's police chief is a no-show for city council meeting. You don't say. Two weeks ago, 19 students and two teachers were killed at Robb Elementary in Uvalde. Law enforcement and state officials have struggled to present an accurate timeline and details and have stopped releasing information about the police response. Pete Arredondo, the school district police chief, criticized for waiting too long to enter the building before law enforcement confronted and killed the gunman did not appear at an emergency city council meeting in Uvalde on Tuesday, despite being newly elected to the panel just weeks prior to the shooting. One sec. Did everyone hear that? The school district police chief is now on city council. Yeah. And he got sworn. Is that the part, the sworn in part? Is that in there? No, go for it. And got sworn in in secrecy. Wasn't it, like, right after the shooting yeah. that he got sworn in? He was elected, like, a couple Prior. weeks before. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then they went to a basement and... Yeah, the mayor was like... Or they did it on Zoom. Let's handle this over <laughs> here in the corner over here in this back office. Let's get you all sworn in. I'm going to... Yeah. I'm going to go back to the story. Go ahead. Mayor Don McLaughlin said he was unable to explain why the district police chief wasn't at the mm. brief meeting telling reporters at the meeting that he was frustrated with the lack of information. Quote, we want facts and answers just like everybody else, he said. Stephen McGraw, McCraw, the head of the 
Texas Department of Public Safety has said Arredondo, who was in charge of the multi-agency response on May 24th, Mm. made the, quote, wrong decision to not order officers to breach the classroom more quickly. As the mayor spoke in Uvalde on Tuesday, lawmakers in Washington worked toward a bipartisan agreement on gun safety measures, hearing testimony from the son of a woman who was killed in a recent mass shooting in Buffalo. At a White House press briefing, actor Matthew McConaughey, who grew up in Uvalde, spoke with passion about his conversations with the families of the children who were killed and the need for more stringent gun control. Parents outside begged police to rush in and panicked children called 911 from inside. According to an official timeline, the gunman, 18-year-old Salvador Ramos, spent roughly 80 minutes inside Robb Elementary. More than an hour passed from when the first officers followed him into the building to and when he was killed. Arredondo has not responded to repeated interview requests and questions from the Associated Press. Since the shooting, there have been tensions between state and local authorities over how police handled the shooting and communicated what happened to the public. The Texas Department of Public Safety has begun referring questions about the investigation to the Uvalde Area District Attorney, Christina Mitchell-Busby, who hasn't responded to repeated interview requests and questions either. (laughs) McLaughlin and the city's police chief was on or said the city's police chief was on vacation at the time of the shooting and that the acting city police commander was on the scene saying he had asked officials for a briefing, but, quote, we're not getting it. The House passed a sweeping gun bill that would raise the minimum age to purchase an assault rifle to 21, but it faces long odds in the Senate. Can you just really not show? And obviously you can. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this goes back to, like, uh, there's just a different level of uh, understanding of work or there's a different set of rules for certain people because we get ex- we are expected to, to go to work sick. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. maimed. Hey, I realize you just got in a car accident, but are you sure you can't make it in? Right. This dude doesn't even have to present an issue or, or a, uh, reason. a reason. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Just don't show and then hide and then, you know, wait, I guess, a news cycle. You are the school district's police chief, which also I am really having a hard time saying that because school district police chief. Yeah. Is uh, that we that should radicalize you. All of us should be real upset that a school district has a police chief. Uh, but as a school, as the school district's police chief, you have disappeared. And then as a an official elected city council member, you have disappeared. You didn't make it to your first meeting after your town is wrecked by a situation? Impeach. Both positions. <laughs> recall. Get him out of here. Recall. Get him out of here. Um, this is going to probably seem like a weird place to jump in. Matthew McConaughey. Um, <laughs> making... Making the plea from the White House press briefing. Um, <clears throat> the whole situation, I'm just completely befuddled. I do not understand why this, why actor Matthew McConaughey is at the White House from oh, that podium. Well, yeah, let me tell because he, he was born there. I appreciate that. Closest white man to the situation that's affected I, and has a bunch of money. You know what? Certainly appreciate that. Yeah. I just need to understand why he is granted that access to the White House press briefing room and podium when YouTube is available for everyone. He could have done this anywhere. 
he could have went to a sound studio that looks like the White House <laughs> press briefing. I'm sure he could get access to that and do it. Why did he get clearance to do this? I am confused Ooh, as nice. to why I turn on my TV to the YouTubes and I see that happening from that podium. I was like, I just, it was. I think you forgot that he is the face and the voice of Texas Lincoln vehicles. <laughs> I think you're forgetting that smooth sound of Matthew McConaughey. That's what we're used to. And he was like, okay. I am not having it. Okay. I'm not having it. Nebraska asked a very solid question here. Did any of the families who lost children at the shooting get access to the press briefing room? Mm, I didn't see any of them there, but also I think you're forgetting that Matthew McConaughey <laughs> talked to them and he makes an incredible go-between. Okay. He doesn't forget anything, a steel trap, if you will. And he just brought all the concerns straight to the White House for them. You guys just stay here. I'll go do it for you. Okay. You're not ready for what Crystal said. Good morning, She's, Crystal. Good morning, Crystal. Crystal just dropped a bomb. Y'all. He's been talking about running for governor. Of where? Where does he live? He doesn't live in Texas, does he? Probably not, but that's probably what he's talking about. <laughs> hey, Matthew, move to Texas and run for governor. Because currently, I feel like you'd be doing a better job. Here's than the that thing. Joker who's in office now. Here's here's the here well, don't say that. I know. <laughs> Chill out. Ambush. Do not be I mean, could it be worse with Matthew? I don't know. And that we don't know anything about him other than he's an actor. That's and that he's from Uvalde, Texas. What we're not going to do is be completely like enamored with how uh, charismatic he can be. And the fact that he is the voice and face of Lincoln Town Car. Well, let me be clear. There's not the charisma or any of that. I'm just looking at how terrible leadership is in Texas. I feel like how could it get worse? I feel especially you. with someone who is concerned about their public opinion. Do you Public remember perception. George W. Bush and how every single person was like, there's no way it could get worse than this. Absolutely no way it could get worse. And then Donald Trump was like, hold my MF beer. I got you, boo. Cut my mic off. It's very true. So <laughs> Yo. we're not getting excited for anybody who wants to uh, spend their life not being a part of any of the activism or change that it takes. For you to actually be a politician that is a public servant. Facts. Not getting wowed. All right. Yeah, she said Texas is talking about So that's the thing. Yeah. You're from there and you've not been there for a long time. Whoa. You've made your money elsewhere. You get to come back, be a hometown hero. You get to walk through holding hands, looking at all the things. If that is your idea of what it means, to be in charge because you're popular, because the press shows up wherever you go, you mm -hmm. are ill equipped. And I'm not gonna do it. Until you can show me anything that you have right. ever done that right. is that has helped people. Oh. What I will say is what he was great at in this moment was speaking directly to yeah. the right wing, basically. Yeah. He speaking directly to Second Amendment, uh, you know, not in my backyard, keep your hands off my or you can get this out of my cold, dead hands, folk. And had the Fox and Friends in a, wow. They were. That guy's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he really gets it. He understands what's important to us. Wow. 
He didn't say anything at all that other people haven't said already. Right. Not one thing did he say. <laughs> he didn't propose anything new. And that's not shade. That's just saying how it hits, who people mm-hmm. listen to, mm-hmm. why they will listen to yeah. it. Yeah. I think the right is definitely sick of uh, every, you know, Hollywood liberal telling them that they're wrong mm-hmm. and that they're, they're, you know, think the wrong way. And he's just like, hey, man, I love guns, too. <laughs> Let me show you. Yeah. Good point. Good point. When you got Janine Pirro being like, man, I really like that guy. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, OK, two two more seconds and they're going to flip. They got enamored. Yeah. They, they, he they is the face up. and voice of so many different things. There's whiskey somewhere. You know, the cars, he's just riding around the voiceover. He was the Lincoln lawyer, you guys. Yeah. Come on. It's not true. It's true. It's completely true. But that's what's happening. Don't, don't, uh, it's running for governor. I mean, listen, Greg Abbott mm. is mm. dangerous and detrimental. And I think that, you know. Do you think he'd lose to Matthew McConaughey? No. I, yeah. No. I don't think he would you lose. You think to- he'd win? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Beto O'Rourke is the white Obama. Yeah. If anybody has a shot right now, it's Beto. Yeah. And that's not me giving him an endorsement. I just said <laughs> he's the white Obama. Right. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that I think that it, there's potential for Beto to have a shot this go round. Uh, but it is also very possible that Greg Abbott just stays. Mm. There are a lot of people that love what he's doing right now. Unbelievable. Because it really isn't us versus them. It, that's it. It's, it becomes that simple. You will not tell me what to do. I tell you what to do. And anybody trying to get in the way has to go. Right. So, you know. Uh, I, I'm still kind of, I, I don't want us to gloss over the fact that uh, Ardondo is, uh, he's basically just playing hooky for two different positions at the exact same time here. Uh, head of school police. And city council. And this is acceptable. Like the mayor is saying, you know, I don't know why he's not showing up. He also said the exact same thing earlier when people were looking for official statements and he snuck them off to the side to get them sworn in. Right. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I, want, I, too, want these answers you guys all want. They are important to me as well. I've been duped just like you. Yeah. Oh, real quick. Thank you, Crystal. Mm. Crystal says, I'm not sure what the frame is, but he's a progressive. Uh, this is about Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. and uh, has been putting dollars into those caucuses. So, hey, I love to hear it. Yeah. And uh, don't say that too uh, loudly because the Fox and Friends people are going to hear you <laughs> and there will be an all out assault yeah. on Matthew McConaughey and yeah. what he's ever done or something. Uh, Crystal also said, and it's really convenient how you glossed over this. It shall mm. make us stuff grass. Uh, I actually didn't see it. I wasn't glossing. Mm. But thank you, Crystal. Yeah. Show him what real food tastes like. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> 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 okay. You know, I see you where know. we are. Um, I love you very much. I can tell. I love you 3,000. All right. MCU reference. She knows how to get me. Yeah. It's real easy. Yep, it's a shum shoe in for him. 
Okay, so thank you, Crystal, for the update. Matthew McConaughey says he won't run for Texas governor. I wonder if it was like him talking about it or if, you know, we did, the media did what the media does and right. it's like, wow, that guy was so great. What a what a passionate speech he gave. Yeah. He should run for governor. And then, it, the, you know, the internet's like, governor, governor. And he's like, mm-mm. I gotta he's do, like, you guys know I have movies to make. I gotta make Lincoln Lawyer, too. But he's not gonna do that. No, not th- that's since the series has Don't started. Don't get me excited. No, no, no. I no, love that no. movie. You can't do a part two. Should I not? I feel like I should probably rewatch it and with my, see if it aged with well? my new life. <laughs> yeah. Quite possibly. Yeah. Quite possibly. Anyway, thank you, Crystal, yeah. for uh, not having us out here spreading disinformation. <laughs> misinformation. <laughs> Someone shot us a text. How was Beto the white Obama? He lost me when he said rural internet is important so lonely farmers can get on tender. Oh, he said what? <laughs> and, that, and that he was divinely selected to run for president. Uh, I hope he wins in Texas, but stays in Texas. Yeah. he's. Have you ever seen him walk? <laughs> have you ever seen him speak to people? He is absolutely fashioned after he is doing his level best <laughs> to get the cool glide, yeah. you know? Yeah. And the policies are completely aligned. I don't care what he's talking about on, tw- on about Tinder. He, he he gets it wrong a lot. So did Obama. Uh, and yeah, for sure. That divinely selected to run, I think that is true for both of them. <laughs> so uh, thank you for giving me uh, wins in the column there. Divinely selected? Yikes. So terrible. That's cult talk, man. Cult so terrible. Talk. Yeah, he's a mess. Mm. But also, better than Greg Abbott. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And in local news, mm-hmm. <laughs> Portland auditors say funds were wasted on dangerous housing for veterans. Ah, discouraging. From OPB, one resident of Sandy Studios, a condemned housing complex for veterans in Northeast Portland, wore a coat and beanie to bed to keep the bugs off her skin while she slept. Another 15... Another killed 15 rats scurrying across his floor, his first floor unit, in one day. A personal best. A third tenant found so much black mold growing above his ceiling that it looked like the rafters had been scorched in a fire. An investigation says the agency moved too slowly and should have kept a closer eye on the groups they, con- they contracted to run the apartments. The, that investigation... Out Tuesday from Portland City Auditor says the Joint Office of Homeless Service bears most of the blame for letting formerly homeless veterans languish for over a year in moldy, expensive housing units. The Joint Office of Homeless Services oversees homeless services across Multnomah County as part of a partnership between the county and Portland City governments. The auditor's investigation began last year after a tip to the city's fraud fraud hotline alleged the joint office had squandered money away by continuing to pay a house veterans, continuing to pay the house veterans in a 32 unit complex, clearly unfit for human habitation. Mm. After investigating, auditors concluded the agency should have stepped in much more quickly to either fix the poor conditions or move residents out. Instead, according to the report, the agency spent over $850,000 to house the veterans before the city condemned the property last year. Mm. OPB first reported on Sandy Studios last March. Veterans said problems with the small kitchenless studio apartments had been obvious for years, but their complaints and maintenance requests were largely ignored. 
In 2021, ceiling collapsed on a resident and his girlfriend, revealing large patches of black mold. Soon after, city inspectors condemned the building. The closure implicated a host of agencies in charge of caring for and housing the city's most vulnerable residents. Do Good Multnomah, a nonprofit that serves homeless veterans, provided support services to residents with staff on site every day of the week. They paid a company called Home First Development to do day-to-day property management. Local hotelier uh, Ganesh Sampati owned the building. Home Forward, the local housing authority, provided vouchers to the vast majority of residents to help cover rent and said it inspected units before these tenants moved in. Uh Word? Uh But it was the joint office that controlled the money and was responsible for making sure tenants $1,045 monthly rent was paid in full, and the auditor's office maintains it. it's the joint office that should have stepped in to lift the residents out of squalor. Casey Jones, director of the city's... Huh, Casey Jones. I'm sorry, that caught me off guard. Casey Jones, director of the city's audit services division, said in an interview that he believed the joint office moved too slowly to help the veterans, even allowing some to move into apartments where the extent of the property's issues should have been clear. Quote, for us, still bringing new people into the property showed that they weren't taking the issue seriously, Jones said. Mm-hmm. Instead, the report states the joint office continued to give Do Good Multnomah a long leash, trusting the nonprofit to make sure necessary repairs were completed and their subcontractor maintained the property satisfactorily. According to the report, the joint office also failed to make sure Do Good Multnomah conducted a thorough inspection of the property when they acquired it or assessed the condition of the property during their reviews. Terrible. Terrible. Shannon Singleton is the interim director of the joint office. Former director Mark Jolin oversaw the agency when it was responsible for Sandy Studios. He stepped down in March. In a pointed four-page response to the investigation, Singleton indicated she felt the auditor's concerns were overblown and accused the office of inaccurate statements and inflammatory language, (laughs) saying the report failed to take into account the pandemic, which exacerbated the mental health issues of people living in the units and made it harder to do property repairs. (laughs) Wow. And ignored the fact that the agency had been trying to remove residents from the building since August 2020, writing, quote, that relocation work was well underway when facilities issues escalated at Sandy Studios early in 2021. To say otherwise, to assert conditions there had devolved without action from the joint office. When there is evidence in the public record that says otherwise, is disappointing and should be corrected in the hotline report. Singleton added the agency has already taken steps to prevent another Sandy Studios type situation, including hiring more people to help upkeep of facilities. Dugood Multnomah did not immediately respond to a request for comment and did not include a response to the audit. The group's executive director, Chris Iosa, told OPB last year that soon after taking over the Sandy Studios lease in 2018, he sat down with his staff from the joint office, along with his day-to-day property manager from Home First Development and the property's owner, to figure out what needed to be done to improve the space. He said none of the improvements happened, a failure he blamed partially on the landlord, who he said was responsible for making big fixes on the building. (laughs) Christy Griever, 43, lived in Sandy Studios for three years and said she believes that every official who knew the veterans were suffering and did little to help deserves a share of the blame 
for the intolerable conditions she and her partner endured for years. Quote, these veterans made enough freaking noise for somebody to be able to hear and somebody to be able to do something, she said, and they just didn't care. It's always uh, disappointing for me to hear veterans. No one should be treated this way, but to hear when veterans are treated this way. It always like strikes me additionally like these are people, these are citizens that volunteer to defend the country and were given orders to do whatever they were told to do. And here they are. They are back in civilian life and they're just not provided for it. Well, but everybody has a bumper sticker that has a yellow ribbon that says support the troops. That's just so wild. It's just so wild to me. Alexa, get Dan Ryan on the phone. Because <laughs> this is... Uh, <sighs> first of all, that interim director really, really said we was just about to do something. We was just about to. But this the pandemic was like, wow, we can't right. do nothing. You know. I mean, you know how, how bad conditions have to be in a property for the amount of black mold to appear like burnt like wood? Like scorched. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there should be lawsuits. Living Certainly. in the, living in the, like, living with that much black mold? There's no way you don't have health conditions as a result. It's, what? It's, it, agree. Oh my gosh. And all the other things that right. are unacceptable living conditions, bed bugs, uh, rodents everywhere. If if a person has to kill 15 rats in a day in their apartment, just their apartment. Not mice, rats. I think for me, this really, the story really highlights uh, not only that poverty is a policy choice, but just how viciously poor people and, like you said, including veterans, are treated systemically. Yeah. Like, this is a systemic issue. If anybody who works for government thought it was okay to continue to pay over $1,000 per unit for units that are potentially harming all of these tenants, they don't, they should not be in that position. That's not cancel culture. That's in, you're in the wrong job. <laughs> you should not be there if you thought that that was the right thing to do. I, I, because I also find it very hard to believe that for all of those years where tenants are complaining, it didn't get to anyone. <laughs> you know, like no one, no one who writes the checks heard that they were having trouble. And if there are people on the ground every day from this other nonprofit that are supposed to be, you know, liaising, are they just out to lunch every single second of the day? Is that what is that what they do for work? Is that what they right? Is that what they do for work? Because uh, this is an, a, a monumental failure. Yeah, and again, just really highlights that poverty is a policy choice. We eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars was spent on housing that could kill someone. Right, a monumental failure that involved so many different agencies and organizations, so many different people. I would like to take a moment here. Mm. To kind of highlight, I want everyone to like, okay, this is terrible, right? This is just unbelievable this happened. Oh, what news? In some ways, it's not it's not surprising because we're used to hearing levels of corruption locally and nationally. 
and we kind of shrug it off until we hear the next story of corruption. But what I want to kind of highlight in this moment is, yes, these are systemic failures, but we're mentioning people's names, not to target them, but to mention just like these aren't machines. <laughs> like when we talk about systems and we talk about levels of oppression and, and, and different institutions that are in place, I think sometimes we get lost in the bigger picture of these different organizations and systems that are in place that interlock and one thing results in something else. And then a domino falls here, which causes this. And there's a ripple effect of all this, you know, chaos that puts citizens in harm's way. These are individuals. There are site visits that happen. There are, there's a property owner. There are people in management that watched this happen. By the time it got to the news, by the time we were able to see these videos and these photos and get these testimonies from these citizens, there were people on the ground that decided this was acceptable, that decided once I leave this property, I can shake off these other people's issues and go back to my life. And this level of apathy, it's not unique to people that work in this sector. We are all participating at some level, at some point in the level of apathy that makes it okay for all of us to treat our houseless community, our veterans, any marginalized person that maybe we don't agree with their like, it makes it possible for all of this to happen. We're all playing a part. This isn't just like some matrix simulation running where we don't have a choice to treat each other better. But I saw the news story. Uh, I can't remember whether it was KGW or Coin6 and saw some of the video of this. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And for them to blame the pandemic. The roofs caved in or ceilings. People's ceilings on caved people. in on them. <laughs> it's very easy. You're receiving money. It's not like they're not receiving money to handle these issues. Right. Where's the money going? Right. If the, if the issues like the organizations that are mentioned here, that's the end of your contract. Right. Get them out of here. Also, and then start a, the investigation. That's a lot of hands in, right? Yeah. For that many hands in to be that off. Um, shout out to Ruto real quick. I don't mean to interrupt, mm -hmm. but uh, he says, as a vet, I think only vets should be in charge of these things. Great and idea. Could not agree more. Um, the way that people who have, you know, not been involved in the military, who do not understand what it means to, um, you know, either fight in another country and come back or be in another country and come back. For them to be in charge of how people who are deeply affected and many who come back uh, with mental health problems that they did not have when they left. That get completely disregarded and do not get um, addressed and treated because we do not believe in health care in this country. For those people to be in charge, this is what happens. Yeah. Yep. They'll be fine. The, what's the problem? They're poor. They don't know better. 
it's a complete dehumanizing, you know, disrespectful, dismissive way to handle such an important job. And couldn't agree more that people who understand that life need to be in charge of that. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree with that. Um, and it's not to say that there can't be people who aren't vets that work and support. Sure. But make sure uh, you're leadership. informed. Yeah, but they support the leadership, yeah. right? Like and they they listen when the vets talk. Right. They do what the vets say and they support the mission. Instead, we're just out here willy-nilly. You know, we're just just uh deciding to keep people in squalor. Yeah. <laughs> deciding to keep a class system in place uh that is more important than your life. It's just hard to handle. It's really, really hard to handle. We need some serious uh, checks and balances in place, and we cannot depend on the people working within these institutions to do it. It's just like you can't expect the police to police themselves. That, right. That ain't it. Um, we're constantly being told we just don't have enough funding. We just don't have enough resources to make change. We just don't. We just don't. We just don't. Here it is. $850,000 wasted. We've, we've, we've watched similar things happen with the PPB loans. I can't remember what the number was, how many hundreds of millions that oh, were just... It was, it was a lot. No, yeah. I don't remember the number right now, but it that was just, like... Hey, whoa, that whoa, money's whoa. just gone. <laughs> that money is just gone, and uh, yeah, there it is. This also plays right into that whole, uh, you know, right-wing myth that or, or myth is the wrong word, but the talking point that continuously comes up is that, you know, s government needs to be smaller. Small up the government because the government wastes money. And you don't really want the government in charge, do you? Because look what they do for the veterans. And honestly, uh, I want a different kind of government in charge. Absolutely, I do. Because the funding needs to come from there. Right. And you just putting not just competent people, but compassionate people, people that are people-driven and not profit-driven, that changes the game. But we have built a system based on not getting the job done, based on wasting the money so that other people cannot flourish, cannot just have an easier time surviving. That's what it's about. Yeah. That's why every single time we, we get off this show, we say poverty is a policy choice because it absolutely is. And this just plays right into it. And it, I mean, seriously. Well, you know what type of person you have to be in order to have the means to improve their existence and walk away from it? Well, and say that you want to. Because, uh, yeah, there you can be whoever, have the money, and you walk away from it. Like but it's your job. Being in a position where you say, this is what I do. I help houseless veterans. That's that's what I do. <laughs> and then you walk away. You write a check. And I'm not saying that every single person who works in that, uh, you know, in these departments or in these things like we all have. Uh, but maybe not all. But we, we have been in a position in a job mm -hmm. that you thought it was one thing and then it turned out to be another. And you were like, mm -hmm. whoa, wait, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very true. That's absolutely possible. Leadership, though is leading the charge, right? And if you are a, a worker bee in this situation, you may not even know just how bad it is. Right. But point is, awful. And when we talk about waste, 
and we talk about resources, this is such a glaring example. (laughs) And somebody needs to get Dan Ryan on the phone. And he needs to explain why this is happening on his watch. Because they would be, uh, you know, calling for Joanne's head right now if they could. I think even though they can't, they will call for her head. I mean, certainly. Yeah. All things wrong with the city. Let's target the black woman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't like it. I do not like it. And, you know, I am not like I got a lot of family in the military and shout out to them for making those decisions. Uh, I am not of that life. Uh, <laughs> I do not feel like uh, America's military should be policing in other countries and just, you know, having footholds all o- footholds all over the place. I think it's ridiculous. Um, and but our we, foreign policy is trash. But we, I was just going to jump in and say, mm-hmm. but we do understand that that is not the bill of goods that people are sold who of jump course. into the military. They're yeah. not like I love American imperialism. Right. It It is far m- more duty to country opportunities free college yeah yeah of course you know like there are there are so many uh ways to escape whatever your current condition and situation is by going to the military and they know that and they prey on that and they do that's how we just keep it rolling without a draft yeah and i say that to say while i may have a difference in opinion in their career choices, I still want them to get what they're promised. I still want them to get what they deserve and be treated with a sense of like gratitude for that service. Like some of the things that these veterans have gone through during their career, unbelievable things beyond comparison, things I know I would just be a complete wreck in those moments where not for the training that they go through and then even afterwards still be a complete wreck having flashbacks thinking about any of those moments like it, it completely opened my eyes up to things like fireworks and just like just different things that never even crossed my mind that could be triggering them in everyday life right and now on top of that the country in which you serve the country which is responsible for some of the things you you've encountered the the, the complete change in your life's trajectory is treating you as if they do not know who you are. I despise that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-mm. There's no way there's no way around it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No way around it at all. No. I'm sorry, I took up a lot of time there. We have got to get to Betsy. We are not getting to Betsy. Oh no. It's not gonna happen. All right. Poverty is a policy choice. And we talked about that for a while. So. We did. We did. I can give you the quick rundown. Give me the quick rundown. Uh, <laughs> Betsy. So Betsy, as we know, got <sighs> confronted. Uh, she did the pop-up surprise at TEDx Portland. Mm-hmm. She was confronted by a crowd that was like, uh, we don't believe you. You need more people. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you doing? And I, and I will. I know that I'm not supposed to do the news like all the way that I'm about to do this, but do remember that her quote from that event was the style of the gun does not dictate the lethality forever. And always remember that that, you have that to. person said that 
You have to. Um, however, three days later, she backtracked from her position. And that may have been, you know, an open door for her to be criticized from both Democrats and Republicans. Because now, uh, after telling the Willamette Week that uh, she would support some gun control. Strong, stronger background checks and raising the minimum age for gun sales. Uh, Democrats are fundraising off of that right now, saying we can't believe her. Look at what she's done. Just hammering in on yeah. her record. And Republicans are like, hey, did you know she'd be flip flopping? Because she mm. out here flip flopping now. Mm. Um, Sorry, it's not the first time Johnson, a former Democrat, has publicly defended gun rights, including after a mass shooting. The Daily Astorian reported in January 2013 that she talked about her NRA membership and her submachine gun to a group of teens in the month after the Sandy Hook and Clackamas Town Center shootings. Jeez. What? She has a... So those emails go out. They go out on the same day that she's like, yeah, I'll do some... uh, I'm up for some gun reform, I guess. Now that I think people in Oregon want that, it's like 80 to 90 percent of Oregonians are like, yeah, we need something different. So now she's, you know, I don't know, open to it or at least saying she's open to it. It's like she just found out it was an unpopular position. Well, I mean, it's not an unpopular position in the circles that she's in. Yeah. You know, like bubbled up. She's she legitimately has an A. She's doing so great in the circles that she's in. I'll remind you that I just said she owns a machine gun. Yo, I'm like uh, a submachine, <laughs> and you're talking to teens about that. Damn. Following a mass shooting and a shooting here and a, at Clackamas Town Center, like that—that that is a that's a sort of beyond me moment. Yeah, but I, I want to make. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, I, I want to get to the point with yeah. the part where uh, her campaign accused the her opponents of politicizing the issue, which is always my favorite thing that they say. In oh, politics. Why are, you, why are you politicizing guns? Because we're doing politics. <clears throat> Quote, it's sad that when people are dying, political candidates' instinct is to try and raise money instead of moving us forward, says Johnson spokeswoman Jennifer Sitton. Tina wants to take away all the guns and defund the police. Drazen doesn't want to do anything. Betsy supports practical ideas to make people safer. By talking to school children about their submachine gun. I really want to know what the framing of that conversation was. Well, if I'd been there with my submachine gun, I could have protected I mean, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is Betsy Johnson with a submachine one. Is that how it goes? Ooh, I think that, that's, that is. I think that's no, that's phrase. it. That's how it goes. I've heard it several times. Yeah, it's like a yeah. bumper sticker or something. Yeah, certainly. So when Willamette Week asked what policies the candidates would support to prevent mass shootings, uh, without offering any specifics, Johnson surprisingly said she wanted stronger background checks and raising the age to purchase certain firearms at 21. Hmm. Um, hmm. Some folks aren't swayed, though. For Quote, for over a decade, she has voted against every single gun safety bill in Oregon. We need a governor who is going to prioritize the safety of our schools and communities, not someone who cares more about pleasing the gun lobby than protecting our lives, says Hillary Ulick a volunteer with the Oregon chapter of Moms Demand Action. Betsy out here trying it. She has found herself in quite the conundrum. She's uh, seen a rock in a hard place. <laughs> and she has nothing but her will and the submachine gun to get on out of there. Listen, 
you got to get that out of her cold, dead hand. Yeah. And I want a reminder that gun control activists helped expand Democratic control of the Senate that, so that Johnson could no longer be Joe Manchin. I mean, um, a Democratic <laughs> swing vote <laughs> who just continues to block legislation. I mean, uh, shout out to them. For making her life a little bit harder and uh, making her have to say, okay, fine. I'm not a Democrat. I am a libertarian. I mean, I'm an independent. So what do you think this means moving forward for her? Now she's getting, you know, attacked from both sides. Because I felt like, sure, you're an independent, but you're definitely Republican leaning. Big time. And always has been. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is exactly what happens when you're an independent candidate, number one. I just think she opened the door a little wider to be like, hey, guys, look at me. Uh, you want to talk about me in a negative light? Go for it. Um, okay. I, neither one of those parties really want her to win, right? They're, mm-hmm. She's not a part of their parties. Um, I don't think that if she won that Republicans would be that upset. Right, so that's right, why, right. you know, it's... Uh, it's sort of a lighter, a lighter dig. She's a flip flopper. Mm-hmm. We don't like that. She said she wanted this thing and now she doesn't. And she wanted this thing and now she doesn't. Um, but, you know, I don't think she had a big shot at winning anyway. Yeah. And um, so all of those folks giving all of that big bread. That's what had me shook. Honestly, I, we, we've seen big bread coming at the last minute and and. Changed the game. Completely changed the game. For sure. Uh, I just think that was, you know, I don't know, a tax scheme of some sort, a money laundering (laughs) moment. Just got to hide that money. Keep it away from somebody else. I don't know. Because that wasn't, it wasn't really viable. And not in, not in this time. Yeah. Um, And I think because of, because of the, uh, you know, perceived uptick in violence in portland mm-hmm. lots of uh more conservative folks think that this is the time to pounce like they yeah. just let the yeah. city become gotham and so we got to get in there and do it all do it all yeah and that just isn't the actual reality of so many places and when you talk to people about the reality of their situation it doesn't align with what these people are saying right so it is interesting, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see how the votes go because, you know, lots of people are vocal online uh, about how the city's on fire and all of those things. For sure. Um, but we're seeing, you know, we're seeing some progressives continue to get uh, elected here. We are seeing certain conservatives get run out of town. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Hmm. I just say keep your eye on Betsy because she out here doing the fool and her campaign is out here doing the fool saying things like don't. I mean, in that at the TEDx thing, she she did the deflection of like, we're not going to talk about extremism, are we? You know, like, hey, you can't force me to listen to your views or whatever it was she said. Yeah, as, yeah, you yeah. Know, as she was doing. Yeah. As she was doing that these same people thing and yeah. are making them listen to you about yeah. everything. Breath. Okay, what well, we did too much. We uh, we did just we, enough. This is news with my fiance, with Morgan Jones and DJ Ambush. And now, uh, last week we talked about employees at New Seasons working on unionizing efforts. And here to talk about the friendliest market in town's latest anti-union response is news editor for the Portland Mercury, Alex Zelinsky. 
Good morning, Alex. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing well today. How are you? Good. Doing well. Good. I am very excited to hear about uh, this law firm that New Seasons, which route they have gone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So like a lot of uh, management companies or just management of large companies that have workers who are trying to unionize, New Seasons has decided not to voluntarily uh, recognize the union that's burgeoning in two of their stores, one in Portland and one in Hillsborough, and instead are um, looking to an, to a law firm, to a, a firm that has a history of representing um, management in labor disputes to, uh, to, to kind of bolster their arguments against um, workers' right to, to union, uh, to, to form a union. And so, uh, this form, uh, this, uh, firm in particular, um, is named Ogletree Deacons. And for folks who are familiar with kind of, uh, labor law discussions and they might find, sound familiar, they're, um, pretty prolific in, um, in fighting unions across the country. They've, represented Amazon, they've represented <laughs> Lyft, um, they've represented, uh, mo- notably, um, one of Donald Trump's uh, casinos and hotels in Atlantic City to stop <laughs> the, the workers from unionizing there. They've represented uh, the Republic National Committee um, in their, in like the 19, or the 2020 uh, kind of election backlash. They helped consult um, the RNC then. They also uh, <laughs> helped represent former Maricopa County Sheriff Joe Arpaio oh. who who is known for, you know, just being racist and um, a terrible impact on his community there, very far, uh, far right-leaning politician and, and lawmaker and or um, uh, member of law enforcement. And yeah. so, you know, they have their, they have kind of a long, um, messy trail behind them that leads to, to new seasons now. Um, and it shouldn't be a huge surprise because last time um, new seasons workers attempted to unionize uh, new seasons management also hired a uh, kind of union vesting legal firm that, uh, oddly enough, also had a history representing uh, Donald Trump's hotel casinos. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, and they were, by all means, kind of successful. You know, New Season still doesn't have a union. Um, yeah. Those efforts kind of fizzled out a few years ago. And so it's not a surprise kind of to see New Seasons trying this again to bring in kind of a, a pro-management uh, uh, law team to fight to fight the union. You know, <laughs> shouldn't be surprising. And hearing that track record is also not surprising, but still puts you in a place of like, wow. <laughs> that just it's so yeah. plain. It's so it's so open in the you know union busting effort. <laughs> yeah, what's especially interesting is just uh, framing. Um, that we've heard and seen from the Michigan CEO and just management in general saying, Hey, this is a, we're a progressive, you know, neighborhood, 
grocery store. Um, we're just trying to do what's right for our workers. And then to see this be the, the response. Right. Um, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of workers, um, and folks who support new seasons up until maybe now see that as kind of ringing hollow to standing by the, the values of the store. Yeah, it sounds very much like uh, Amazon saying how great it is to work there and how they right. pay people, you know, above minimum wage. And they just want to make sure that those people are good. And right. we know they're absolutely not true at all. And yeah. all the all the efforts to union bust. It's just uh, what does it look like for you who has covered this kind of stuff before? Like, what what do you think the odds are? Of the um, employees being really able hard to say. To... Okay. I mean, it really depends on in this situation, at least for the Portland uh, New Seasons Workers Union, which is uh, uh, around the store on Southeast Division and Twentieth. Their fight really, at least speaking to folks who know a lot more about this than I do, um, you know, the the fight is really going to depend on if they get enough money to support their cause um, because they don't have a big kind of national union to, to be a part of, like, you know, the AFL-CIO or kind of SEIU, these, these bigger names that have um, lawyers on staff and the legal team on staff that can fight. This yeah. is kind of an independent, just like the Amazon union in Staten Island, this is a totally independent worker-run union that doesn't have, um, that, that needs to hire a lawyer. Like when, when the time comes to, to get into contract negotiations and needs to, um, have the right folks on, you know, behind them to, to represent them well. Um, so I think at least the, the way that workers are seeing it and, um, people who've studied these negotiations kind of in the past, uh, it, it, it will really depend on the amount of money and just kind of support, both like public support um, and financial support that um, that this group is able to get in this process. What kind of uh, fundraising efforts do these kind of sort of, uh, for lack of a better way, startup union efforts, what kind of fundraising do they do? Yeah, well, right now they have a GoFundMe, <laughs> so okay. it's pretty classic, <laughs> uh, you know, classic style of fundraising. Um, they, yeah, they're just really, you know, they have a, like, self-started kind of social media marketing campaign and, um, you know, getting their their pitch out there um, through news coverage and kind of through these other, um, other forms of, of media is really how they are able to attract, um, you know, attention and support. And I think, you know, they're distributing information at, um, in their break rooms that, um, mm-hmm. that folks can share with other folks, um, who are interested in supporting. So, you know, it's kind of the standard, standard fundraising. Okay. GoFundMe. Yeah. A, a GoFundMe is totally, I mean, how else would we ever get money on the internet at this point? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so really quickly before we go, will you remind us who owns New Seasons again? I started yeah, to say New this Seasons, earlier. Um, I believe since 2019 or 2016, I'm not sure I'm dyslexic, um, one of uh, this 
large international uh, retail firm based out of, I believe, um, South Korea purchased mm. New Seasons. Um, so, yeah, so it's, um, it's no longer a local independent, um, yes. company. It's owned by, let's see, what's the name of it? Good Food Holdings. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, it's based out of South Korea. Um, and which also and yeah, sounds like a money laundering effort. Good food, good foods holdings <laughs> just sounds like where the money just gets moved through in Panama. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, it owns a ton of other, um, right. ton of other companies and, and, um, and grocery stores across the, the globe. So, um, yeah. And that's one of the reasons why these groups have begun to, the workers have begun to want to unionize because they do not feel really represented. Um, locally, they feel like they have to, you know, go all the way up the food chain to, to South Korea to, <laughs> to get their, right. um, their needs met. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the, the, um, the grocery store that they signed up to, to work for. Alex, cannot thank you enough for this reporting. Uh, I love following this story because I feel like there's, there's actual hope with the, uh, stand, Staten Island Amazon Union. I feel like ah, it's possible. It's 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 yeah. totally possible. It does seem like a really um, you know a really good time like for unions to be successful in the face of you know insurmountable pressure from from wealthy law firms and yeah. wealthy companies and because of just like the um, public. Uh, the, the the huge public support of unions right now, kind of on the heels of the, the coronavirus, you know, it's um, it's a it's a really interesting time. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's like lack of resources have people looking at things a little differently, right? And yeah. <laughs> um, so I will take that as a win uh, in this in this moment. Out of bad things, that's a good thing to happen. I think. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for joining us Alex can't wait to talk to you next week I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week that was Alex Zielinski news editor of the Portland Mercury tune in every Thursday at 845 to hear an update from the Mercury right here on news with my fiance Um, real quick about good food holdings good food holdings is the holding company for five preeminent and enduring food retail brands Bristol Farms Oh, you know about that. Lazy Acres Natural Market. Don't know nothing about that. Metropolitan Market, mm-hmm. New Seasons Market, and New Leaf Community Markets. Those all sound like uh, previously <laughs> independent small grocery stores. Right. Each brand has its own leadership team, company culture, operating philosophy, and go-to market strategy. Each brand is deeply rooted in community and is the leader in their prospective market in offering the most unique item assortments highest quality meat, seafood, and bakery items, as well as the broadest assortment mm. of quality and organic produce available. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, they're all about to be the same thing. So. Yeah. They, if they aren't already. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Very Good interesting. We will see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, I think, I, I was trying to say that they're, you know, there are so many things that went wrong with the response to the pandemic and COVID-19. Mm-hmm. In those 
failures. I think that there, you know, and the um, the theater of calling people essential workers yeah. and that they're heroes, but we ain't gonna pay you no more money. Right. And oh, right, hazard pay. We'll do that for uh, three Not weeks. Not you. And <laughs> you know, um, it, you you quickly realize we don't. They don't have us. All we have is us. Yep. We have to help each other. Um, and they're just going to continue to pay lip service. They're not going to pay dollars. So, yeah. um, this seems like a, a perfect time for folks to at least, uh, warm up to the idea of a union, see how the people power actually helps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, you, you lose faith in those companies that you had bought into when they say, you know, thanks for coming in. You're going to work five extra hours today, and then tomorrow you're going to work 12. You know, it. <sighs> so, actually, shout out to those companies for making it easier. Yeah. And yeah. Oodle Doodles. Yeah. You're listening to X-Ray FM at KXRY Portland at 107.1 and 91.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. And that was news of my fiance. Today's show was made possible thanks to Morgan Jones and myself, DJ Ambush, engineer Nebraska Lucas. I thought you, I, I thought I paused for. I oh, you, you were doing that horn. for me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to do the air horn at the end now, so oh, that it's not all right. Multiple air horns that then interrupt you. That is really sense. my bad. We had not had this production meeting. We're having it until now. now so. Okay, so now we know. I'll pick it up. Good job. Engineer Nebraska Lucas, podcast editor Kyle Gilmer, and our guest this morning, Alex Zelinsky. See, there it is. There it is. The team. <laughs> shout out to the tech squad. Fam, yes. Fam squad. Tech fam, fam squad team thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like when I ask them what they want to be called, they never respond to that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's squad. I do. Nah, it was fam. We gotta We're going to work on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I see you got some stories listed for next week. Mm, we'll see. Yeah. You know, that may change. That may change. Okay. This is not for you to read. That was just for There's some notes. We'll see if we, you know, these are the production meetings. Poverty is a policy choice. And housing is a human right. Mm. Thanks for listening. To-